Acts chapter 2 and verse number 41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you'd help me now as I preach your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. pray that you would empty me a self. I pray, God, that you would help us to see these foundational first practices of the early church. Lord, help us to be willing to copy this. Help us to be willing to grow a church culture where these are the foundational practices. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here today that doesn't know for sure that they're saved, someone listening to this, I pray that you would speak to their heart, that you would convince them of the truth of Jesus Christ and of the gospel, that they would be saved. God, help us as Christians to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is there anything worse than feeling alone? Is there anything worse than feeling lonely? Is there anything worse than feeling like you should be accepted into the group and allowed to participate in the group and not being allowed to? Or it seems as if someone is keeping back some mysterious knowledge from you and you feel like you're an outsider. Now, we're not going to explore all of the ways that this may take place in society today, but we can see in the first church that when a very large group of people received Christ as their Savior and converted to Christianity, the church immediately accepted them into the church and taught them how to practice Christianity. It's one thing to look at somebody and watch them struggle. It's another thing when you say, hey, no, it's okay. Let me teach you how to do that. We find ourselves doing this with our kids all the time. Whether it's throwing a football or throwing a baseball or trying to help them with their homework, it's not good for someone just to sit back and perhaps be critical or maybe just watch someone struggle. It's like, no, 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 I know how to do that. Let me help you. So here's the question. What was it that the first church did? What were their practices? 
What did they introduce these people to? Here's another question. What was the church culture of the first church? If I was to ask you where you were from, what your background is, your ethnicity or nationality, or perhaps what province you're from, and I would say, what is unique about your culture? I'm certain there are things that you could tell me. Uh, And by the way, just to let you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be emphasizing missions. We're going to be emphasizing um, the, uh, we're going to be emphasizing giving the gospel out to the whole world. And I'm going to encourage everybody to celebrate their culture and come in some way, either by dressing in your culture um, or by, I'm getting the eyebrows. I'm getting like, whoa, really? Seriously? Yeah, hey, we're going to have fun with it. That's going to be great. Uh, we get giggles and eyebrows. It's fine. Okay. And we're going we're gonna to try to have like a, a food fellowship where you bring something that is, is going to uh, help us appreciate your culture. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. This is one of the awesome things about living in a place like Toronto is we get to, uh, get to learn about everybody's culture, get to share it. We get to uh, enjoy it, right? Um, Fantasimo, it's going to be awesome, right? So here's the thing, is when the first, when, when the first church, uh, when they had this amazing day where 3,000 people got saved, what was it that this first church, what were they doing and what did they do, not only for this to take place, but also what did they invite all of these new people into and say, hey guys, this is what we do. Come and participate with us. And can I just say this? You say, Pastor, what is the, what is the plan for Sparrow Baptist Church? What are we gonna do? Like, what, are, what, what, what exactly is the, is the goal for, for Sparrow Baptist Church? Guys, this is the goal. Honestly, if I was to tell you right now, Like, what is the goal for Sparrow Baptist Church? What is the template? What is the bullet points? What is the thing that I, as the pastor, as I pray, and as we strategize, and as we plan, and as we look at different areas, what is it exactly that we say, okay, this is what we're going to try to do. Guys, this is it right here in Acts chapter 2, okay? Um, And so what did they do? And we're just going to go through them. We went over a few of them uh, last week. And so there's going to be just a little bit of review. But I want us to see in verse number 14. So Acts 2 and verse number 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, by way of explanation, the church was 120 people at that time, okay? And they had just gotten the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they were out there proclaiming the gospel. They were very bold in giving out the gospel. They were telling people about Jesus and how he died for their sin and how he uh, was buried and three days later rose from the dead, okay? and how they needed to trust in Jesus Christ as their savior for the forgiveness of sins. And it was so unusual, this this happening, that people thought, well, something crazy is going on here. And, And some people said, well, they're drunk. That's why they're acting like this. They're saying this crazy message. And can I just say this, guys, is that sometimes when the world, when unbelievers look at Christianity, 
they may have a very strange explanation of why we do what we do. But can I just say this? It's not because we're drinking, okay? Uh, we're not crazy. You say, well, pastor, maybe a little. Okay, well, listen, hey, brothers, good to see you. Welcome, everybody. We're all here together. It's good. We're, I'm, I'm the one on camera, not you. So you guys just act natural. It's fine. Look, it's a rainy day, isn't it? How many of you wanted to sleep in this morning? My hand is up. Okay. But guys, we're here. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Right? My sound system didn't work for a while. This cord, I feel like, I feel like one of those woody dolls where you've always got the, the cord where somebody's pulling you on your back because this cord just, it runs up and down. Man, isn't it good just to be together? Isn't it awesome that we're not trying to watch this on a screen somewhere and be distracted by the cat? Thank God I don't have a cat. I don't have a cat. I don't have to worry about being distracted by a cat. Okay? So we're going to get tucked in, as the Brits say. We're going to get tucked in, and we're going to learn what God has for us. Yeah? Okay, so this first century culture. What was it that they invited themselves into? Well, can we say this right away? The number one thing that this whole church was about, this whole church was about Jesus. They were all about the message of Jesus Christ. Now, again, each one of these points can be an entire sermon series in and of itself. And we're not going to go that deep on each of, these, each of these points. But we can see here that when Peter begins to explain to this, these unbelievers what's going on, he uses that opportunity to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You, if you can take the time later to read this, it goes from verse number 14, and it goes all the way to verse number 36. And verse number 37, let's pick it up there. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. That word means to change your mind or allow the preaching, allow the word of God to change your mind. Allow it to turn your mind into a different direction. One time I had a friend who was trying to come down Bloor and they were trying to come to church and they got on the bus and after about 10 minutes, they realized they had gone the wrong direction. They were going East down Bloor instead of coming west. Pastor, I'm so sorry we were on our way, but we got on the wrong bus going the wrong direction. Guys, listen, when it comes to trusting Christ as your savior, you've got to get on the right bus. You have got to allow the message of the word of God, the message of Jesus to change your mind. The Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the first church. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is one of my favorite verses, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took our place on the cross. He suffered the punishment for our sin. It's as if someone 
who got in trouble with the law and now they're facing a very lengthy sentence and rightfully and righteously, they committed the crime. They were righteously judged. The sentence is coming upon them. And then their friend or family member or somebody else steps in and says, okay, judge, can I do the sentence for them? And the judge miraculously says, somebody has to take the punishment. I don't care if it is the guilty person or this innocent person, somebody has, the, the, the justice system demands that somebody take the punishment. And that's what Jesus did for us. He took our punishment. We were the ones, listen, we were not the ones that were meant to be crucified. That is not biblical. That, is, that would do nothing except for just our physical death. But he took the punishment for our sins. He took our place. This was the message of the first church. This was the consistent message throughout Christianity. You want to know the difference between being a Baptist or being a biblical church and whatever other religions are out there. It all comes down to this, my friend. What do you believe about Jesus? Is Jesus the one that, listen, is Jesus the one that took your place on the cross and he completely paid for your sin? And in that in simple faith and trust, you've turned to him and asked him to forgive you. And now you're a Christian. You've turned You've gotten on the, on the other bus, going the other direction. Jesus, I'm trusting completely in you now. Some people don't believe that's what Jesus did for us. They believe that Jesus is kind of the one that started salvation for us. It's almost like, yeah, he kind of put the down payment on salvation, but he didn't actually just buy us the whole thing. No, my friend, Jesus purchased our salvation. It says he made him to be sent for us who knew no sin. Jesus was completely innocent that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, if I can just kind of encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ as your savior, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this. I encourage you to read the book of John. I encourage you to read the book of Romans and the Bible. There's also some free giveaways we have here at the church that will explain this in a very simple way. I encourage you to talk to me or my wife or another Christian that knows this truth. But uh, this is something that they all agreed on, and this is what they, uh, they came to trust there in Acts chapter number two. And, and because they were saved, it says in verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They completely accepted this message. They wholeheartedly accepted the message. They were no longer looking to themselves and saying, well, I'm a good person because most people have a pretty impressive religious resume. Okay. Now it's different here in Canada where the culture is very secular, but those who are secular citizens and not necessarily religious people also have a pretty impressive resume, a list of why they're a good person. And maybe it's not something that would completely agree with a religion, but in their mind, they're saying, this is what makes me a really good person and I try really hard. Well, let me tell you something that may make you a great person to be around and a great citizen and a nice neighbor, but it does not, it cannot, it will not allow you to be forgiven of God and go to heaven. We have to come to trust in Christ completely by ourselves. The next thing that we see is that they were, so first of all, they agreed on the right message. They agreed that Jesus Christ is the focus of this church. It wasn't a, a pastor. It wasn't, it wasn't even the group. It wasn't a building. 
Jesus was the focus. Guys, can I just say that here at Sparrow Baptist Church, we need to agree that Jesus is going to be the focus. Jesus is going to be the focus of every service. Jesus is going to be the focus of the songs. Jesus is going to be the focus of the preaching. And they were all yielded to that. And it says here um, as well in verse number, um, it says in verse number 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation or this generation that's kind of going against themselves. And guys, can I just kind of just finish off the point of Jesus being the focus, save yourself in the sense of you yourself make that personal choice and turn to Jesus Christ and follow him and worship him and make him the focus of your life. Don't allow other people to influence your eternal salvation. Don't allow other people to influence you following Jesus Christ. You've got to understand, we have to understand that we are not going to allow outsiders to influence us and say, we're going to change the message and we're going to change the focus. No, we are going to follow Jesus. We're going to love Jesus and we're going to do it together. Okay. Amen. That's what, that's, that's the, the direction. Okay. So they accepted that. So now they're a part of the group. Now they're saved. They're converting from Judaism. Okay. They're, they're, they're literally changing religions, but more importantly, they're changing their trust. Instead of now being religious people uh, that think they're going to heaven because they're, they're Jews, now they're turning completely to Jesus Christ and they're trusting him. So what were the practices at this first church uh, when, when they got saved, when they trusted Christ? What did they then immediately begin to include them in? And we began to see... In verse number 41, it says, then they that gladly received his word, meaning they accepted the message, they trusted Christ. It says the next thing was they were baptized. Okay. Uh, It's very interesting in the Bible when someone accepts Christ as their savior, there was never really a question on whether or not they were going to accept baptism. It was pretty much an automatic thing. They knew that by trusting Christ, they were also going to get baptized. And that's why in the previous verse, it says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, what is the connection with baptism and salvation? Salvation is something that happens in the inside of us. Okay, it is a heart decision. It is something that we say, yes, I am changing my trust trusting myself. I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm allowing the message of the Bible to change trusting myself and trusting my religious background. Now I'm trusting Jesus Christ. And at that moment of salvation, Jesus gives us a new heart. He forgives us of our sins 
And we become immersed in salvation. We become immersed in Jesus. That's kind of the theological term, right? Um, and we become immersed in him. We become baptized in Christ. We, we are fully, completely, we are owned. Our, our soul has been bought by the blood of Christ. We are now owned by Jesus Christ. And when we die, we can expect to immediately go to heaven. And because of that internal change, that heart change that we've had, we also have an external message. We're now going to externally identify with Christ. And that external identification is called baptism. When they accepted them into their number, they said, hey, the message is going to be the same. This is all about Jesus. And it's all about identifying with Jesus. It is a lifestyle that identifies with Jesus. Um, I'm blessed to be married. I've been married for 15 years. Praise the Lord. I know I don't look that old. And of course, my wife certainly doesn't look that old. Uh, But, you know, we buy expensive creams and lotions. And that's why we're so incredibly beautiful. Anyway, um, but anyway, the way that I identify as a married man is through the wedding ring, right? That's that, in this culture. That's how we do that. All right. And baptism does the same thing, right? We get baptized one time publicly. Hey, I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm showing in an outward way what Jesus has done for me on the inside. Okay. And they did that. And listen, they, they, they didn't make them wait when they trusted Christ. They just said, hey, are you going to trust Jesus as your savior? Yes. Are you willing to identify with him? Yes. Boom. Baptized. Okay. That's the practice. And then it says, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Saved, baptized, church membership was the next thing. Church membership. This was something that was an important thing. There is nothing like being a member of a church that tells you you're not alone. In a spiritual way. You say, well, I'm saved, but I'm not a member of the church. You know what? You can feel awfully alone if you're saved. You certainly can. Uh, You can say, well, I've been baptized. And that's fantastic. But when you're a member of a church, hey, now you are saying, this is my group. I identify with these people who believe this thing. There is a trend in society and even in church culture, in Christian culture, to be a churchless Christian. A churchless Christian. I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus and I pray and I listen to things on my own, but I don't really go to church and I don't really, I'm not really a member anywhere. I'm just kind of a churchless Christian. Can I say That if you are a churchless Christian or the idea of being a churchless Christian will cause you to feel very alone. Very alone. What's a soccer player without a team? What's a hockey player without a team jersey? Hmm? They're pretty alone. They're just trying to do the best by themselves. Sure, they can skate around on the pond and and do whatever they do with the puck and shoot around, but they're not really doing it. And can I say the example that's given to us at the first church is that they didn't just preach the gospel to them and they get saved. And then the preachers decide to just leave and say, okay, good luck. Have fun. 
They didn't just preach. They got saved and then they got baptized and say, okay, now you're a Christian. Now you've openly, openly identified. Let me tell you something. Guys, listen. 40 to 50 days early, 50 days earlier, society had just literally killed Jesus Christ. They crucified him. These people were trusting Christ in the face, in a political uh, arena, in a, in a political climate where people heavily disagreed with this belief system. And for them to get saved and trust Christ and get baptized and then for the believers to not accept them in would have been tragic. They said, no, 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 no. You get saved, you get baptized, and then you're, you're now one of us. Come on, let's go. Let us teach you how to be a Christian. Let us show you what to do. And so this is where we get the idea of church membership. Um, we can see in the New Testament, in the books of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and Revelation. Now you've noticed I basically almost said almost every New Testament book. They were all written to churches. They weren't written to individuals. Luke, Acts, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon were all written to individuals. So in the sense of being a strong Christian, in order to see faith grow, and in order to please the Lord, in order to make Christianity strong in your life and for you to make progress in your spiritual development, the focus in the New Testament was not to the individual alone. It was to the group. And when we are dedicated to a group, we develop as a group. That's good. We are not alone. It's true. We are not alone. We can see here in the Bible, it talks about how in verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. Fastly, What was it that they accepted them into? It wasn't just a one-time service. It wasn't just this amazing thing that happened on the day of Pentecost where the Spirit of God came in power, preaching, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And they were added to the church and then they were done. They went back to their homes. They didn't learn anything more about Christianity. No, it says they continued steadfastly. Let me just ask you the question. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? Have you gotten first to the point where you're saved? You believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that he is God and that he came on this earth for the sole purpose of dying on the cross and taking your place. And you say, yes, I believe that. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that he is my savior. I've trusted him as my savior. Boom. One. That's great. Have you been baptized? Have you been scripturally baptized? Fantastic. Praise the Lord. Well, okay, let's talk about church membership. Have you done that yet? Well, I just don't see the importance. Look, we don't see the importance until after we do it. Generally speaking, as a human being, we don't necessarily see the importance of baptism either. God says do it, and so that's what we should do. We accept it by faith. God is telling us this is what we need to do. And then there's church membership. And then there's the continuing steadfastly. 
Notice, guys, notice the progression here. Notice the progression here. Let, let me just say this very, very kindly. Many times when people come to church, and they may even come for a while, months, guys, listen, even years sometimes, people will come off and on to church. And you say, where are they? Where are they now? Look, you cannot skip the steps. It's salvation, it's baptism, it's church membership, and then continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And on and on and on. You can't skip the steps. You guys ever tried to make anything? Bake anything? I'm not a fantastic chef. My wife is an amazing chef. And she knows how to take something that's kind of tasting bad and throw in a couple, two or three things and it's fantastic. Of course, right? It's, it's, she, she's amazing. And whether it's making some kind of a cake or whether it's making some kind of a savory dish, it doesn't matter. You have to do certain things. And if you completely delete a step, are you going to come out with the same thing? Now, what's interesting is, is that she, because this is what she does and she's so good at it, she can taste what is supposed to be a finished product. A brownie, a cake, or some kind of pasta dish. It doesn't matter. And she can taste it and it's missing baking soda, she'll say. Now, if you asked me to go through all of the ingredients and identify something that was missing, we'd be sitting down for a long time because I would try to go and remember everything in the pantry and I would get it all wrong, okay? But she knows. She's like, oh man, I forgot this. Sorry guys, I forgot this one thing. It tastes a little funny, which doesn't happen very often, but occasionally it does. Or the finished product will be on the plate and we're about to eat and she'll take a little taste and she'll be like, oh guys, I'm so sorry I forgot this or that. Guys, listen, when we get to the part about continuing steadfastly, what does it mean? What does it mean continuing steadfastly? What does that even mean? It means that they were faithful. It means that they continued and they were steady and that they didn't fluctuate. Guys, remember the verse that we've been using in Ephesians? Look at Ephesians chapter number four. Look at Ephesians 4, and it says in verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is building up in the faith. This is maturing in the faith. This is so that they can get involved in the work of the ministry. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 is one of my favorite verses recently. I have, I've had a hard time getting away from it. It says that we henceforth be no more children. The spiritual maturity of someone who is a child is the opposite of continuing steadfastly. Do we see that? 
Uh, it's, it's someone who seems like they always lack motivation. They don't have the energy. Are we good so far? Maybe they lack the knowledge. It's such an interesting thing being a parent because when you're, when you're a parent, you have to provide the motivation sometimes to the kids. You provide the knowledge. You provide the accountability to the kids in order to help teach them and help get them to, to grow up and to help get them to mature and to help uh, so that they act a bit more responsibly. Listen, let me tell you something. When it comes to the church culture of Acts chapter 2 and these new believers not feeling alone in their walk of faith, they said, we are going to continue steadfastly. Guys, come with us. We are going to do this today. We're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do this next week. We're going to do this next Sunday. We're going to do this next Wednesday. They continued steadfastly. Children, listen, children only do things when they want to do them. Is that you? Spiritually, in following Christ. I just really struggle with my motivation. I know. Me too. What, pastor? Of course. And when you're alone, are you going to do it? Probably not. But if you have a buddy, or you have a group, or you have a church, you've got people calling you, you've got people texting you, you're saying, hey, what's going on? Are you sick? Do you have COVID? What's going on? Why haven't I seen you in a while? You've got people checking on you. You say, okay, pastor, what's going to be the kind of culture here at the church? What's the expectation of this kind of a church? Is it okay if we just come like whatever, you know, like once every six months or just kind of every six weeks or kind of whatever? Well, it's like, no, no, look, look, the expectation is the same that it's going to be in Acts chapter two, where it's we're The expectation is we're going to continue steadfastly. We're going to continue and we're going to be faithful and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep trusting God and we're going to keep obeying. And you're saying, well, I just don't see the personal payoff. I don't see the payoff in my personal life. To be so dedicated to church and to be so dedicated to Jesus, what's the payoff? Okay, well, one, on the screen we can see you're not going to feel alone, for one. But the next one is this. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The life of someone who does not attach themselves to the local body, the local church, the local gathering. The kind of life they live is that they are constantly being tossed around. Emotionally, they're tossed around. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what's real. They don't know what's true. They hear a new TED talk and all of a sudden their their beliefs change. They've got a comment on their social and it completely destroys 
their faith. They've got a friend who says, hey, I can't understand how you can believe that. And now all of a sudden they're out of church for four months. Tossed. To and fro. It seems like nothing in their life is stationary. Everything is moving around. And that's why God's given us the church. Can't we see that in the context of this story, in the context of this passage, these new believers that are coming out of Judaism were 50 days earlier, the leaders in the same town literally just killed their leader. Crucified Jesus. In a couple of weeks ahead, they're going to kill some more Christians, the leaders. In the next couple of chapters, they're going to take Peter and they're going to put him in jail. What do they need in this new choice of trusting Jesus Christ as their savior and being baptized and being a part of, their, part of this group? They need some stability. Guys, let me ask you this. Do you need stability in your life? Do you need stability? Emotional stability? What can you count on? Who can you count on? What can you believe? In the age of being able to look up everything, I feel like that people choose to believe nothing. Yeah, I saw the video, but it could be fake. How many have ever thought that? No hands. Of course, we've all thought that before. Fake video. God has given us the church to bring stability to our life, to teach us a consistent doctrine, a consistent belief, a consistent truth. And the church in Acts chapter 2 brought them into that. They that gladly received his word were baptized the same day they were added unto them, about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. Have you trusted Christ as your savior? Do you know for sure that you're saved? If you died today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? Have you been baptized? Have you identified with Christ? The Bible says in Romans 10, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And if someone says they're a Christian and they've never been baptized, they refuse to get baptized, there's a really good chance that person has never really gotten saved. They were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Church membership. It was natural. It was natural. And they continued steadfastly. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.